I realised this year, and it's quite frightening, is that Valentine's Day is alive and well for four-year-olds. Oh, stop. Come on. <laughs> Why are people doing this? <laughs> oh. I have to say, at the, at the age they are, I'm happier currently I have boys. Because one of the twins, when you say, oh, do you, you know, do you play with any of the girls at school? His answer is straight to the point, And he says, disgusting. Yeah. Kind of happens at age, doesn't it? I was like, that's fine. You're four. Uh, the other one's kind of like, yeah, I play with whoever. It doesn't really matter. But there's no sort of strong feelings either way. They just kind of, yeah, whatever. Apart from the other one who's like, absolutely not. So we're getting towards Valentine's Day. And there are mothers in the playground. They're talking about their daughters writing love letters to people to, to boys in their class in in years above on the actual valentine's day i saw a mother with a rose and a card being given to her daughter and then i spoke to my friend and she said a mother rang her and these are the exact words and and her son is is five the exact words this woman used to my friend were your son left my daughter at the altar what they were the, they were the exact words your son jilted my daughter. This is horrendous. <laughs> what is going it's five. on? Because <laughs> what actually happened is this girl really, really likes the twin's friend. Follows him around, playground, all sorts of things. Which I guess you can do it for or whatever, four or five. Um, but she arranged a marriage. This, this four-year-old decided she wanted to marry said child. So she arranged some friends. I guess they were like the witnesses to be there. She arranged a time. And an event. And obviously, the boy's friend kind of got wind of what was going on and just didn't turn up. Didn't turn up to the, the wedding they did the, <laughs> at school that he didn't know was planned. And as a result of this, the mother rang my friend and said, your son left my daughter at the altar. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he had a narrow escape. <laughs> <laughs> locked in <laughs> locked in forever how can that be a thing how at the age of four or five are you knowing about why 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 would you want to marry someone at the age of four or five i just it's frightening and i know why people yeah. say they they fear for their children because if at four this kind of conversation is being had it's 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 remarkable it's horrendous <laughs> this is awful <laughs> i mean valentine's day for four-year-olds. For four-year-olds. It's awful. Now, you may not be surprised to know that I <laughs> shock. I know what's coming next. <laughs> Shockingly, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. You don't have a Christmas tree. So what you've just said has not come as a shock to me. <laughs> oh, I, was, oh, I was hoping you would just be kind of bowled over by it. But yeah, I feel like people might know enough about me that I... <laughs> refuse i'm not like i'm not i'm not anti you know those people do the anti-valentine's day parties uh, for me that's just really equally as getting involved i just don't even acknowledge it i totally forgot about it would not even say happy valentine's day if ben said that to me he would be losing brownie points quite quickly um i just don't like it i, I just think the whole thing's horrible Ugh. i was i was just shocked that it happens so young and there was one mum who went up to another mum 
and said, oh, um, my daughter wants to go out with your son and, and this girl is four and this boy is seven. And I'm thinking there's a serious conversation going on. She considers him her boyfriend. And it, you look, it's great to have feelings and, and friends at this age. But, you know, when, when you're actually calling a mother saying <laughs> your child left mine at the altar, I mean, that's quite strong words. I feel very sorry for this little girl that she got so mistaken. But what a valuable life lesson to learn at this early stage. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, I think that there's been a, a little, little less playing together at school, I think, since then, because um, the boy's friend was just, I think he was just a little bit freaked out by the whole thing. But yes, well, so, quite. I mean, uh, it, it's look, it's not the kind, as a parent, and especially as a parent of a four or five year old, it's not the kind of call you're expecting on a whatever evening. <laughs> it is. No, think, and my response would be, you're crazy. No, my friend laughed. And then there was a pause <laughs> on the end of the line. And then she realised that it, it might not be at this stage a laughing matter. So she so she oh stopped and had a serious God. conversation about it. And I, I think it was fine. But it just, it, it freaked me out slightly. And I think at this stage, I'm glad I've got boys who... They're not they're not ready for that yet. So that was my <laughs> that was my my Valentine's life lesson. But it, it but it was good that was happening because I, I had something to talk to you about because whenever we talked over the past week, you had nothing to say. I mean literally nothing to say. Nothing to say. <laughs> You'd be like, How's your day been? And I think I'd just say, I'm eating lunch. <laughs> You were like, and that was it. And then you'd ask me loads of questions. So I was writing all the stuff back. And I'd say, How about you? You're like, Yeah. Jury service. Well, it hadn't quite started last time we spoke. I'd just been put on a case. Uh, that case ended up being, uh, I don't want to say long. It was only eight days, but it, you know, fairly, fairly long. They said it was going to be three or four. So it was, you know, a good chunk longer. And um, yeah, it, it has finished. And I've been discharged from jury service a little bit early. So that's nice. But uh, it was, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I don't think I thought I would enjoy it because of course the nature of the subjects you're dealing with are not particularly enjoyable you're dealing with people's lives um but I, you know the first couple of days I was thinking oh this is quite interesting the way the jury system works and you know I've never been in a court before and this whole world I've never really come into contact with and you're kind of thrust into it not only you thrust into it you actually are like making the final decision so <laughs> you're kind of catapulted to the top of it okay you know nothing about the law you know nothing about anything and we want you <laughs> to make this decision and you're just sitting there thinking wait you're not going to explain anything. And they're like, nope, <laughs> we don't explain anything to you. Of course, it's not enjoyable, but it was very intense. It was uh, very heavy. Uh, something that you just take home with you. You can't stop thinking about it. Um, even, you know, post the verdict, I still won't be able to think about it. And do you know what? It was one of those things that, sorry, I'm going on a bit of a rant now, but it was really f fascinating because... I, it was everything was just so grey. Everything is so nuanced. You know, even your interpretation of the questions given to you by the judge, even this, like everything had so many different interpretations. It was absolutely uh, really difficult. It was just a very difficult experience. We had quite a few hours deliberating and it was, um, yeah, it was just intense. I mean, everybody was really respectful and we all, even though we had differing opinions, we could all be adult about it, which was nice because sometimes you get people who can't be, right? They just scream and shout if people don't agree with them. Uh, so that was good. We had nice normal people <laughs> on my jury. <laughs> I was kind of looking around because for four days you don't really talk because you're not really supposed to. So you're just sitting and you're looking at everybody thinking, 
are any of you crazy? <laughs> but they're, they're all fine. <laughs> so it was okay. Um, but yeah, it's something, it, it's going to take a while to digest. It's really frustrating because I've got so many questions I want to ask you from what you've just said and I can't because you can't answer them. So it'd be, it'd be pointless. No, I can now. I can talk to you about the case from start to finish. Oh. But it did take eight days. So I think we'd run out of time on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe this is for another time. Oh, good. Okay. So I've, no, I've, I've suddenly thought of loads of questions just because I've never been, I've never done jury service or been in a court situation yeah well i'll chat to you about it then another time oh yeah okay right let's let's, let's bring this back to tennis the people listening oh, thinking, okay. hang on we've got four-year-olds <laughs> proposing to four-year-olds that leave them at the altar we've got jury service and what goes on there if they're listening for the first time they're like what about the tennis big story in the tennis world this week was was the return of kim kleiss due to happen in australia but due to an injury she had to postpone it and and boy, I mean, the build-up, the talk, the match, originally Kiki Burton's, she withdrew, Garbina Muguruza first round. The hype and the build-up around this match was incredible. It was very difficult to escape from the build-up to Kleister's return. Oh, I think big news is a bit of an understatement. This was colossal, absolutely huge that she had got to this stage because, you know, she did announce it. She'd been doing some training, but there was a couple of setbacks and injuries. And you, you do start thinking, oh, you know, is this actually going to end up happening like as she wanted or, or properly? But, you know, she got herself back in shape and she, she's super committed. And yes, back. Wait, is this second comeback? Yes. Oh, yeah, I've got it. Technically, yes. She's back, back again. What did we expect? She was great, right? She was just, she was Kim. She was so good. You know, just, just, she was a Kim that has not been competing at a level for a significant amount of time, but she's still Kim. She does all the same things. Um, she's still sliding around on a hard court. She's still moving really well. It was all the little ticks, the way that she walks and looks at her strings. Everything's really <laughs> compact when she does that. You know what I mean though, don't you? In between the points. And uh, it was almost, that was the thing I was like, oh, I've missed this. <laughs> Rather than the, the tennis, which of course was amazing. But yeah, she ended up playing Muguruza instead of Burton's. I mean, <laughs> either way, rough draw but but there you go <laughs> uh because burton's uh ended up not playing because she just won the tournament the week before but she played against mcgaruta and it, it was great i mean what a starting point if you could choose a starting point uh, i think if kim could have said this is how i want to play in my first match back and then i can build on it i think she would have smashed her expectations with what she produced there she was what a set and love three down she took the second set into a tie break and i think also to play that way with the spotlight on you, with people out there, a larger number of people wanting her to succeed. But there will have been out the people out there who will have thought, expected, wanted her to fail, however small that minority. So you've got all those people looking on, wondering how she's going to be. The Can she compete with the players of today? Is she too old? Is she this? Is she that? With all of those questions and all those people looking down on you to still go out there and, and play the way she did... I think it's fantastic and it bodes so well when you think that was her first match and she was playing like that in her first match and she said afterwards, look, for me it was a win. It was it was the buzz, it was the adrenaline, it was it was everything that she has obviously missed because she, she went into the commentary box, she was doing studio work, she could have done coaching and she could have done whatever she wanted to within tennis, but she obviously missed something that I have no experience of, but the buzz, the adrenaline of walking out onto the competitive match court. Yeah, and, and I don't get it. 
quite <laughs> frankly. I'm not going to lie. I love you, Kim, and I'm thrilled that you're back. But I, I, I didn't experience, of course, anything like playing at her level. Okay, I have played on big courts and I have had that walkout and that feeling. But those moments are, of course, extraordinary. But it's everything else that goes into it. And I feel, feel like most people in life will have been able to push through certain things when they're in, say, their teens, early 20s. Maybe in their teens they were doing other stuff. Um, but say through your early 20s, you know, something you can work those long hours. But then once you kind of get to mid-30s and you've got a family, like, you know, are you still able? Some people are, and, and Kim is clearly one of those people in terms of the amount that you put in to get those moments. It's always, it's worth it when you're younger. And I think it's quite common to be worth it. And everybody reaches a point where they just say, I just, I just, I don't know if I can do it anymore. And I, I think that goes across a, a range of um, sports or careers. But to go back into it after such a long time off, and she's not stupid. She's not going into it with like rose-tinted glasses. Like, oh, you know, I just played. Last time I came back, I just won slams. Like within months, it was dead easy. I don't think she's kind of thinking in that way. And I don't think she's ignoring all of the work that she has to do. Uh, and all of the traveling week in, week out, what's happening with her kids there in school? Like, where is she? Which ta- How many tournaments is she going to play? Like, is she training all day? There, There is so much that goes into it. But the interesting thing for me that she's been talking about is that it's not really about results. You know, she's she spent a long time talking about, uh, really about her mental well-being, hasn't she? Saying that actually this is such a great way for her to look after herself because when you're a professional athlete, you have to be selfish, just full stop. And if anybody thinks, I know there are some super duper Roger Federer fans out there, but if you don't think that guy is selfish, like you're deluded because (laughs) you have to be like, you just, you have to be, and it's fine. It's a quality that you need to be able to do this. Sometimes, and you know, she's been talking about the fact that she almost lost that selfishness, didn't she, in terms of just looking after herself? I mean, I don't know what it's like to have children. I mean, you can speak better than I do, but she was talking about how for breakfast she just finished Jada's oatmeal, her eldest, and she wouldn't make anything for herself, and and everything revolved around them for, of course, you know, quite a significant period of time, and it's almost like this has provided her the framework and the um, the opportunity to. And the reason to look after herself and her well-being better. Is that a fair assessment? I did have some fish fingers last night. Can I just say that we're (laughs) (laughs) that we're left on one of the plates. And, you know, the dangerous the dangerous time is with kids meals is so the boys at the table having their food and they're finished. Mum, can't have any more. I'm done. They just want the dessert eyes on the prize of dessert. When the danger time is, it's when you're carrying the plates to the dustbin. You just carry mm. that. You put them on the side. You open the dustbin. You think, oh, it's a fish finger. I don't have the fish finger. I mean, what harm is that fish finger going to do? And you just have the fish finger. And then there might be it's it, it, it. That is the problem on that side of things. But I think on a on a more serious side of things, is I I know that I enjoy working. Um, I almost appreciate it a little bit more since I've had children, because it's very different to when you're at home and you're, you're cooking, cleaning, running after them, and there is no better place to be them with them but then when you go out and you work and you're you again I'm not the twins mum I'm Gigi and I'm they're talking to me about work and what I do and and it's it's a really nice feeling to have that and speaking to more and more parents who I get to know 
in the playground and wherever, who maybe have two or three children and they don't work. They talk about going back to work or they talk about having lost something. And they talk about wanting to do something for themselves again because you, when you have children, everything's about the children. And, and that's how it should be. And you give everything to them. You will, I think for the first, I don't know, year or so, the children's life, I probably didn't buy any clothes for myself. You know, it's not about you. It's about them. And I speak to a lot of mothers who, I'm really lucky that I have that balance of work and being at home with them. I do have to go away for periods with tournaments, but then I get nice chunks with them. But I do speak to a lot of mothers and they're kind of like, I used to have, I was speaking to a mother yesterday actually, who said I used to have this career, she worked in the film industry and she was on set and she was traveling the world and it was amazing. And she said she can't do that now because she she doesn't want to be away from her children. It's hard to commit to a long project. And she's she's really questioning what does she do now? She wants to do something for herself. Um, and I think when you go back to work, it is quite a, so you're, you're being selfish in a way because obviously you're going to be away from them and you're, you're doing what you want to do. So I, I can see where she's coming from. You know, she's had three children. She's been devoted to them. She still is, but wants to do something for herself. And it, it's interesting. I've been able to keep working through the pregnancy and through having the boy. So I never really stopped at all for any period of time, but I'm hearing more and more for, from mums now who maybe gave up work when they had children and are starting to think about going back to it now. And, and they talk about for their, for their sanity, for their health, for whatever, for many reasons, they do want to. So I know people keep saying to Kim Kleisers, why have you come back? You know, you've reached the highest you could ever have got in your sport. Number one, one grand slams. You've got your academy, your children, you could do whatever you want. You could sit in commentary boxes and pick your jobs, whatever. But obviously this is something she felt she wanted to do for her and just be a little bit selfish again. Yeah, and that's actually the bit that I get. Like, I, I, I totally get that. I mean, it makes makes complete sense. And you've got to look after yourself. You can't be a good parent if you're not looking after yourself. It's just that um, I'm somebody who found the life of being a tennis player really hard. And I've also noted that there are very few players out there that actually enjoy the life. Uh, and as you were mentioning there, there were other options in terms of work. So she just must be either one of these people that absolutely loves it. Um, well, uh, there aren't any other options. <laughs> I was like, either this or either that. And actually, when you were talking about the fish fingers, I was just thinking, if you did a graph of fish finger consumption, it would be kind of like colossally high when you're a child and then goes down to zero from the age of being a teenager until you're then... And then it's just going to go through the roof again when you have a kid. No, not no. I had a little spike at university. Oh, a little spike see, of fish fingers that. at university. Fish finger sandwiches. Yeah, I see. Fish finger sandwiches, they were economical because you can buy a pack of 40 fish fingers for nothing. A loaf of white bread is nothing. Some mayonnaise. Mm. And you, you come back from a, a student night. So I had a little spike around university. Right. And then since the twins have been here, but it's not just fish fingers. You, you, you make them something to eat and you're not eating till later and you, you start eating or, or yeah, it, it, that is very, very dangerous. And it takes an awful lot of willpower, which I have none to, <laughs> to not, to not snack and to not eat the nice things that they're eating. And that is, yeah, that's difficult. But no, no, there was a little fish fingers have always been part of my life. Big fan of fish fingers. Against Magarutha, didn't she? Good match. I mean, Magarutha's playing really well. So, uh, you know, no shame in losing to Magarutha, not that there ever is. And um, But she was supposed to play Kiki Burton's, wasn't she? 
but Burton's withdrew last minute. Kiki Burton, yeah, won, won St. Petersburg last week. And I, I didn't realise about this till I read it, but because I suddenly wondered how is Kleiser's now playing Muguruza and not Burton's. But she used her excused withdrawal card, of which she has two to use throughout the season, which I think is a really good idea. Yeah, so, yeah, Basically, just you have the opportunity to to pull out last minute, and I, I have valid reason. She just won because you have sometimes you have tw- you know less than twenty four hours to get to a new place. It could be on a different continent and play your match. I mean, normally you get a little bit more than that, but it's very rushed, very difficult. Um, so to have a couple of opportunities to not have to go through, you know, every time we go through this rigmarole, like somebody wins a tournament and then they pull out of the next one with a, a sore rotator cuff or a sore left ear or a something <laughs> they, they just you know they walk you know they're going to walk into the doctor's office and really if everybody was being honest they were like anything whatever you want just 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 say it because uh, i'm not playing next week and the thing is is that it's totally understandable sometimes especially if you don't expect to do well in a tournament okay burton's I think she's in with a fair shout of winning St. Petersburg, so that's not abnormal. But sometimes you get an unseeded player suddenly tears through a tournament, might have come through qualifying. something. People are, are, are tired. They have to look after their bodies. Their bodies and their game is their responsibility. That's it. Nobody else's. No tournaments, no sponsors, no agents, no coaches, no nothing. They have to look after themselves. And you, there are all these pressures. There are mandatory events. There are all these things they're signed up for. And the agent's this. And you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. But ultimately, it's their responsibility to be able to deliver uh, their level of tennis. And then everybody else benefits from that. So that was what it kind of fundamentally comes down to. So you just cannot blame players for pulling out if they've done well at the the tournament the week before. And with this excuse withdrawal, they don't need any documents to support the reason you're pulling out. You've got the two a year. And I think also very valid reasons for Kiki Burton. She had played Fed Cup prior to that, then win St. Petersburg, then would have had to get all the way to Dubai, and then would have had to take part in a very high-profile match. And Kiki Burton, she's not a... It doesn't. She doesn't come across as a limelight loving player, and around the Kleisters match, we had the spotlight. We had Kleisters. This was a big deal. This was Kleisters' first match back of the comeback, and I don't think that sits that well with someone like Kiki Burtz. I'm not saying she wouldn't have gone on and won that match, but it just and to have these excused withdrawals, it's great. Really valid reasons. She says, look, I can't do that because of what else has gone on. And I, I think I think that's a really I think that's a really good rule um, that the WTA have. Yeah, it's like it's protecting the players, isn't it? I mean, sometimes you have you have a certain amount. So for the men, they have a certain amount of on-site withdrawals. So that means you have to go get signed off by the doctor. You, you, you're allowed a medical, but it has to be on-site. And there's all these different. You're allowed a certain amount of, of different ones. But. It, you were talking about Kiki and the limelight. Uh, Courtney Nguyen uh, put up a a tweet. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to quote it word for word, but basically the gist of how hilarious it was that Burton's won in St. Petersburg, where she's obviously quite a, a timid, doesn't like the limelight sort of person. And <laughs> St. Petersburg has the most crazy closing ceremony you could ever imagine. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally, I was watching it. And <laughs> you've got these people walking around in masks. And you, I mean, <laughs> I, I've commentated on it a few times. And <laughs> One time it was like this death metal rock band coming out. 
<laughs> I was just, it was, oh, and the commentator next to me was like, yeah, well, from the nation that gave us all this tremendous classical music, here we have Death Murder Happy. Enjoy. <laughs> it's just awful. It's just horrendous. It is so in your face. You've got these, it's the most extreme tournament for like closing ceremony and just bits and bobs around like the extra the extra bits of the tennis tournament is this nuts i love it talking about tournaments and what they do we had the um we had the new york open last week which uh kyle edmund won there we go but you know tournaments more and more these days and i i work at queens on for the tournament you you try and do little quizzes with players to try and bring out the best of them and to put it on social media. Yeah. And like last year we did an emoji quiz with the players, which Milos Raonic was not impressed with. <laughs> I, oh, I, that didn't go very well, like, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> you were brilliant in it, but I didn't think it so went we well. The, we had the emojis that said a word like new balls, please, or Hawkeye, and you have the little emojis for no, it. No, but one of them was so easy. It was the emoji of a tennis ball. So it's a ball. And then there was a picture of a girl. It was... <laughs> Ball girl. And then no one could get it. It's a ball girl. And Milos Raonic, his complaint was that it was too literal and shouldn't we be testing the players? And I basically, I, I felt like he was telling me off for like the whole two minutes, <laughs> which was, um, and, and his t-shirt had like fun guy written on it. And I thought, this, this <laughs> I was like, this whole situation, I think I just, I laughed. But you, you're always trying to find of, of different things to kind of bring out the best or, or different bits of the players which is quite fun I don't did you see this at the New York Open they no <laughs> so <laughs> they had um swipe right marry or ghost oh oh no I no I'm gonna get annoyed about this now. with Kyle Edmund <laughs> so they brought Kyle Edmund into a room and he had to swipe right marry or ghost um Jack Sock Riley O'Pelka or John Isner <laughs> you're in New York it's mandatory you have to have one of them but they're putting him on the spot and saying which of these three do you want to marry and he just looked really awkward and he said well I'm going to ghost Jack Sock because I just don't know him very well and he said you know John is as good to talk to so I could marry him it was just it was the weirdest thing and then the next three I think I wait might so have he'd got... swipe right on Opelka or, or he'd swipe right on John is only married Opelka I mean either way he's going to marry or swipe right on Opelka <laughs> But okay, he, was, right. he was he was ghosting Jack. Who was in charge of this content? But the, well, I I I, <laughs> I didn't recognise people in charge. But the next one, he had the choice of Jeannie Bouchard. Um, I'm sure I want to say Heather Watson and Je and Johanna Conter, or, or or a mishmash of those. And I think he said he would. Did he say he would marry or he'd swipe right Heather Watson because he knows her really well? Or so it, anyway, it was it was just quite awkward. <laughs> you know when you're watching something, and then they did three names. I think it was Johanna Conter, this name Julia something, and someone else. And he said, "Well, I don't know this Julia person, so I'm going to ghost her." And it turned out it was the person. So the woman hosting the quiz was the person he said he had ghost, and it got. I cannot tell you how awkward it got. It's just, it was This just... is the most painful thing. This is so, so yeah. And he said, well, I don't know who she is, so I'll ghost her. And then the girl doing the quiz said, oh, that's me. And it was like, oh, this is, oh, it was no. just, but it's, um, yeah, tournaments are just, you know, you want to get that content. You want to get that viral clip, don't you? You want to get that little thing that 
suddenly everyone's retweeting or it's like at Queens, we used a, a little guy, a little Serbian guy to ask the questions and it was brilliant. But apart from when we want, because children can ask anything, can't they? They get away with anything. Yeah. And so he was interviewing Marion Cilic and we wanted to know why he bounced the ball so much, Marion Cilic. So, so this, so this little guy, he said, um, Marion Cilic, why do you bounce the ball so much? And he, and Marin Cilic, really smiley, said, oh, that's a great question. You know, why do you want to know? And then he said, because they told me to ask. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all sitting there sort of waving, going, hi, yeah. Genuinely would like to know the answer to that question. So, um, yeah, if you get a chance, have a look at it on social media. It was just a bit kind of, I don't know, I was kind of watching it from behind my hands or part of it. Can I just say for the listeners, if you can't see, well, no, of course you can't see me. <laughs> Uh, for the listeners that can't see me um i don't think i have ever pulled this many faces through a conversation with shishi it started with the valentines for four-year-olds i just had a disgusted look on my face for about five minutes and then again through that description of whether carl edmund wanted to marry riley opelka or john isner swipe right or oh, him. No. Oh. Okay. It's also, why would you do that with Kyle? I know he ended up winning the tournament, but Kyle's not really that sort of person, I think is fair enough to say. He's quite a quiet, he's quite straight down the line sort of guy to the media. He's made it clear many times that he doesn't really want to go into these tangents, but uh, <laughs> they made him. Because <laughs> it was around Valentine's Day, she starts, the Julia lady that he then ghosted, <laughs> he, she starts by saying, do you have a Valentine? And so it got really awkward because he said, no, I don't. And you just thought, oh, I'm not sure this has started very well. <laughs> so oh, no. he starts by saying he hasn't got a Valentine. And then he gets offered a Pelka soccer isna. So um, no, go and have a look at <laughs> His that. day's not got much he- better, has it? <laughs> <laughs> Now, you're not going to pull faces here. We got an email from Mandy who contacted us via the wonderful website that you put. I keep forgetting we've got a website. So do I. <laughs> but, but we do. <laughs> and Mandy got in touch via the website. Um, and she wants to know about wild cards. And she wants to know if money changes hands and how it comes back. Because she was talking about the, the recent tournament in Thailand when a player who was ranked 1,127 got a wild card into qualifying lost in the first round of qualifying to the fifth seed in qualifying and then got a wild card into the doubles with Alina Svitolina. Yep. What do you want to know? That was all I had to offer there. (laughs) Thanks for writing in, Amanda. Yeah, thanks, Mandy. Um, Sorry, that was the shortest answer ever. So she wants to know, is it this, this wild card was, she was from Hong Kong. So was it, is it, is it a reciprocal thing? Does money change hands? Does it look good for Lena Svitolina to be to be playing with someone from the era? I mean, I don't know. She she wants to know how on earth these things happen and should wild cards be a thing? Uh, any number of reasons as to why it happened, really. Mainly this happens with a local player. That That's what the, the wild cards are there for. And actually in some tournaments, it's stated that it is a local wild card, particularly down a bit lower at the challengers. They will have a wild card position for a local player. And that's just the way it is. And whether they have some sort of playoff tournament for it or uh, they just have kind of the best player from the club or whatever it is, you know, that often happen sometimes they give those positions up because they don't have anyone that they really feel is good enough and other times they will put somebody in who doesn't really play professional 
tennis to a, a great level because it's a local wildcard and that's what they've got and they want to give the opportunity. I mean, you know, a lot of these tournaments, you've got to think about who's funding them, who's putting them on and what they gain from it. So you do get these negotiations with getting a big name in. I know that Svitolina didn't get a wildcard in, but for example, often they need to get a wild card in or a late acceptance and the tournament will say, that's fine as long as you play with our girl in doubles and that sort of thing. I know that's happened, uh, like, so for example, that happened at Edgbaston when Maria Sharapova played with Harriet Dart. It wasn't quite as explicit as that in that sense. She was given a wild card by the LTA into their tournament. Um, now, what am I talking about, Maria Sharapova? It's Venus Williams. What's wrong with me? Venus Williams. <laughs> They're like the same, aren't they? <laughs> it's like much of a muchness. Um, no, uh, Venus Williams last year took a wild card into Edgebaston and it wasn't a, an explicit deal, but they suggested that it would be nice if you played with a, a British player. Harriet Dart is looking for a, a partner. Venus had also expressed her interest in playing doubles as well. And all of this is quite last minute. So, you know, most of the players have already signed up in terms of doubles partners with each other, that sort of thing. So that's kind of how that came about. But that wasn't um, an explicit, you must play with a British player to get your wild card. Venus, not Maria. Um, <laughs> no one's going to believe anything I say from this point on, are they? Well, I think, well it's kind of a theme, isn't it? <laughs> it's a little, little bit of a theme. We know there are loose facts that appear in this podcast. <laughs> but it, could you get an agent? Could your agent say, say to you, maybe you had a regular doubles partner could your agent come to you and say right Naomi for this tournament I want you to play with X because I think it will be good for your career this person is a rising star something like that is that the kind of thing that can also happen those sorts of things they do happen really negotiations only happen with the very very top players the ones that are stars that will put bums on seats everybody else will just play the tournaments that they want to play there's 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 nothing really in it for them but sometimes wild cards can be used yes but sometimes it, it doesn't seem fair because isn't it miami isn't it miami that's the img tournament or yeah and exactly and so, so img players get wild cards into miami yeah so they get wild cards and there's certain players who i think it was one year there's a player that that was on his way back from injury should have got a wild card but didn't because the wild cards had gone to img players so they were immediately into that so, uh, so that point that doesn't seem fair yeah and and look i'd say that there's quite a, a fair chunk of players who are just completely against the wild card system whatsoever because if you're from a country that has no grand slam no big tournaments no tournaments at all say you're from georgia not georgia in the states georgia the country in <laughs> in europe um <laughs> say you're from georgia you don't have anything that you can get into um in terms of you're not going to get any wild cards. It's not going to happen. So you can only win your way through. And so somebody like that, you could totally understand them saying, well, hang on a minute. These people, I mean, somebody like Donald Young has had endless wild cards. We're talking 40 plus wild cards. Remember, the men are unlimited on how many wild cards they can be given a year into ATP events and challenger events. The women are limited. So for women, you are allowed three main draw wild cards into ITF events, three qualifying wild cards into ITF events. And you're also, and when I say ITF, I'm talking about challenges at the, the, low, the lower levels. You're also allowed three main draw wild cards into WTA events and three qualifying wild cards into WTA events, plus 
won for a Grand Slam. So it's like it's quite a lot, right? So really, if you're a t- if you're ranked 150, you you can have a maximum of seven wild cards. Um, but three of that is going to be in, into qualifying. But again, if you're ranked 150, you know you, you can only get wild cards at the tournaments that are big enough for you to a need a wild card into. Um, and and you know and use your Grand Slam one as well. So again, like you're from Georgia, great, you can have seven wild cards, but you ain't going to use any. You're not going to be given any. So it is an unfair system, of course. Um, you know, you you definitely get a, a big leg up. You know, lots of the French players have have got wild cards very consistently. Americans, Brits, they do tend to get them year in year out in terms of the the Grand Slams and the big events. So yeah. Did you? How did you benefit from the wildcard system at Wimbledon? Uh, well, I got them. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> would, but would, was it ever in your mind to think? I don't. I don't know actually where you stand on wildcards. But even at the time, to think I shouldn't take this, or was it just too good to turn down an opportunity to be at Wimbledon? Yeah, I actually did turn down a wildcard for Wimbledon for the main draw, um, which, well, there's no turning down. It's like getting honours from the Queen. Like you don't, you can't turn it down because the the queen asks you or the queen doesn't phone you, but someone phones you and says, if the queen were to offer you a knighthood or a damehood, would you accept? And then you say yes or no. And if you say no, she's not then going to offer it to you, is she? So you never get the chance to turn her down. Oh, wow. Okay. If you see what I mean. So if you say yes, you would accept, then she would offer it to you. Right. Just just prepping you for when you get given your <laughs> your dame status. Uh, yes, so it's kind of similar uh, for Wimbledon. Uh, really, there's qualifying criteria in terms of a ranking, and and then you can apply for a wild card. And if you meet all of the criteria and you apply for the wild card, and the club are happy with it, then they'll give you the wild card. So I one year I met all of the criteria and I opted not to apply so you didn't even apply for the, and did did at some point did they come to you and say why didn't you apply or is it just it's never spoken of well mainly through the LTA because what happens is the LTA put in the applications officially so I mainly had people from the LTA uh, coming to me saying what is wrong with you <laughs> it was the, the general <laughs> gist oh. of the conversation oh. because I, at the time I was British number three I was ranked 170 I or 70 something I had played in Wimbledon I'd had three main draw wild cards I'd played three times I'd had really good performances uh grass my best set like as in everything I couldn't have seen it I, I can't guess whether they would have given me a wild card but I couldn't have seen any reason not to but I also I really can't bear the attitude with some people, some players, um, the way they talk about wild cards is if you're entitled to it. You know, it's a, it's a wild card. Like, it's it's a choice from the tournament to ask you to come and play their, their event. You don't qualify for the event and they are asking if you would like to. So there's always a bit of a hoo-ha around uh, particularly Wimbledon and how they give their wild cards out to foreign players and sometimes just to the next in on the entry list. And I just think they could do what they want. If they want the next strongest player in the world to come and play then great that makes complete sense to me so there is a weird thing and sometimes you do get people who are kind of really disappointed if they don't get one uh, when I say disappointed <laughs> uh, that's a very kind way of putting it but um, you're not entitled to it you didn't qualify for the tournament you had a chance to qualify you didn't qualify in terms of your ranking you didn't get in 
Uh, and now you're very fortunate if they ask you to come and play. And that goes for all tournaments across the board. And yeah, you can better your chances by becoming an IMG player or being British if uh, you can manage that. So <laughs> it's or French or American or whatever. It's an interesting thing. And look, the reason I didn't apply for it is because this was the start of my real struggles mentally with being on the tour. I was in a very, very bad place. All of my previous matches at Wimbledon had been... Uh, massive matches including the year before uh playing venus on center court and opening the tournament because she was defending champion so i hadn't had any quiet match everyone had been on a show court on tv it'd been big and the rest of the year i'm playing qualifying of slams and i kind of felt like i've already had three wild cards i've had an opportunity to learn against the best in the world and that's really what i think it should be for and when it comes down to it, I need to be good enough to qualify at these Grand Slams. I'm doing it four times a year. Okay, let's ignore the French because... <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I'd reached last round of Wimbledon qualifying. I'd reached last round of US Open qualifying. It was, for me, I felt like taking a wild card was purely taking the money and the off chance that I might win a, a, a big chunk of points. Which, But again, like people don't realize you could win a massive amount of points at Wimbledon you could have a great run through to the third round if you're ranked 170 well congratulations you're now ranked 150 like it doesn't really do anything the only way to get from 170 to the top 100 is to consistently qualify in these big tournaments consistently qualify win matches and be beating everybody in the top between 100 and 200 it's the only way you can't just like kind of go on a good run unless you literally make the semis <laughs> then fine um, so for me, it was a combination of how I viewed wildcards. I viewed them as an opportunity for young players to learn. And at that time, we had British players who had had nine, ten wildcards, that sort of thing. And they were getting a lot of stick in the press. And I was kind of like, I kind of agree with the press here, as in like you get your opportunity. I'd had three of them. And then it's OK, right. You've had opportunities. You've learned. Now off you go. Go get good. That was a big part of it. And then also, on the other hand, I didn't want any sort of limelight or spotlight uh, and I felt that if I did qualify I would at least be in the main draw with a little bit more confidence because I was very low on confidence at the time even though I was playing well uh, I thought if I do qualify which I had a good chance of doing I'd at least be able to walk out and, and feel like I'd I'd earned it a bit um, and then I yeah I reached the last round of qualifying had a bit of a heartbreaker but there you go well Mandy I hope that answer the question and thank you very much oh, i don't think it did i think i went off on another tangent <laughs> I, th I think it i think it did i forgot about you mandy <laughs> i totally forgot about the question sorry i was just pouring my heart out i think in many ways it answered mandy's question okay good i can't remember what your question was oh no you don't have to say that you just can keep quiet at this point i was i was it's been a hard I was, week i was i was sort of i was covering for you with mandy there you, you didn't have to keep talking <laughs> it was fine but so mandy i hope that answers the question um people can get in touch via the website or by twitter or anyhow now jury service is finished so what's are you when 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 are you back to work Acapulco oh, starting lovely. Monday lovely can't wait will it be curious of last year I mean Acapulco was amazing last year it was amazing the year before as well so if it's rubbish this year I'm going to sulk about it because I haven't done it the last two years and it's been like one of the best tournaments of the year so I have <laughs> high sky high expectations okay I've I'm I've got some football next week we've got the Champions League good Chelsea against Bayern Munich 
Um, so I will be I'll keep an eye on the tennis, of course, and obviously. Um, but there'll be a little bit of football might creep into the podcast next week. Well, the football will be before the tennis because Acapulco won't start till the middle of the night your time. So yeah. you could do both. Just don't sleep. Uh, uh, oh, OK. Um, <laughs> I think about that. Well, look, now now I've got the, the worries of Valentine's Day out the way. I can sleep soundly because <laughs> I know that all the four year old girls in the class have just calmed down again now. So, so the Valentine's Day is out the way. So, um, but we're on half term. So, um, lots going on. I think I might actually now go make some fish fingers and eat half of them <laughs> for the boys' dinner. Oh, I'm tempted. I want fish I fingers know. now. They're nice. The amount of people listening to this thinking, I'd love to have some fish fingers around now. Honestly, always have. Some, I'm going to leave you with this. Always have some in your freezer. Okay. Okay. All right. right. Next shop. Okay. I'm going to grab a box. Oh, definitely. Or I might have to, like the Christmas tree, I might have to send you some. <laughs> <laughs> not frozen ones. They won't be frozen by the time we get here. Well, yeah, possibly not. That's, that's the thought I'm going to leave you with. Until next time. Okay. Speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.